attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Campbell Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. So the show's been on summer hiatus, and we apologize for those of you who have been left waiting for new episodes. But don't you worry. As soon as camp is over, we'll be back with brand new episodes. I've already got a ton of interviews lined up. It's going to be a great fall for the History Podcast. But today is a special classic episode. You know, I've posted a few of these. And for those of you who have been looking for old episodes, you've noticed that iTunes has started to drop off some of the earliest stuff. So I want to get some of the classics back in the mix. But this one's a special one. Steve Elrod is our guest today on the Campbell Ojibwe History Podcast. Uh, it was recently Steve's birthday, and as a, I told him as a little celebratory thing, we would bring his episode back. But also, Steve was one of the first interviews I did. And Steve and I didn't know each other very well when we sat down together. We certainly didn't know what the History Podcast was going to look like. And I can tell you that since that interview, and over the past year working on OJ90, Steve and I have become very good friends. There were many, many weeks of us speaking, not just daily on the phone, but many times a day on the phone all throughout. So it's fun for me to go back and listen to this episode and think about how we barely knew each other and we were just really working off off of our Ojibwe knowledge, but now we've become such close friends and uh, it's truly great to know Steve as well as I do. So that said, here we go. Steve Elrod on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. You say the price of my love is not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry in your tea, which you hurl in the sea when you see me go by. Why so sad? Remember we made an arrangement when you Foremost, for the record, please state your name and years at camp. I am Stephen Elrod. I was at camp as a camper from 1968 uh, to 19... I was there for a total of 10 years. Okay. So, uh, 60, let's say 68 to 78. That 1968 great. to 98. However, um, I was at camp as a post-camper um, from 1960 to 1968. Oh, okay. So, I, um, I was three years old when I first uh, came through the gates of Camp Ojibwe. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question, is uh, when's the first time Camp Ojibwe even was a thing in your life, the first time you'd ever thought of it or knew anything about it? When my parents took me to post-camp. My Camp Ojibwe goes back in my family. My dad was a camper um, in the 40s for several years. He, um, uh, he, he then went uh, as a married couple to camp with um, a bunch of other uh, groups of people, the Gainers, um, uh, the Burrs, uh, fr- camp friends of his, mm. 
and um, left us home. So I knew he was going um, to post camp as adults. It was at the time um, when Pearl would not allow young kids to be at post camp. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was a, that there was a change in that. That actually changed when I had um, kids. I'll, I'll get to that because I've been a post camper. Um, really straight through from 1960 to the time I bought my house down the street from camp. Mm. Uh, and um, we have lots of post-camp stories that, that, <laughs> that, that, that Denny knows. But I, um, I, it, So my life at camp is, is really the son of a camper, the father of a camper, a camper, a counselor, and a post-camper. Uh, so I can tell any and all of those stories, but it's my, my, my First memory is in 1960 when um, I was a three-year-old uh, at camp, which was the minimum age you could be when you went to camp. Wow. Okay. Uh, so having that sort of unique experience of being a post-camp kid first before coming to camp, was there still a camp call? Did they still come and do a camp call at your house? Uh... Yes. So uh, that was that was actually interesting. My my. Parents insisted on that because my dad had had a camp call. Um, uh, when He recalls it when he was young. His father and Al Schwartz knew each other from the Covenant Club, mm. and that's how um, my dad, my, my grandfather, knew to send his son to, to Camp Ojibwe was um, during the war, uh, and it, it was difficult times. And mm. so my dad recalls very vividly um, Al Schwartz coming to his home and talking about camp um, and convincing my grandfather that this is the best place for a young boy to go during the war, um, and 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 that uh, and, and camp was you know, an interesting it was an interesting time obviously, mm. uh, and my dad recalls it very vividly. My dad went to camp for three years, um, one collegiate week twice wow, um, during those three quite years. Quite a record. And inc- incidentally, I have his trophies, so that could be something that oh, um, be could be on display um, for, uh, for, uh, for your exhibit. Um, so when it came time for me to have a, uh, to, to go to camp as a camper, I had been going now for eight years. Interestingly, my, despite the fact that I was so intimately involved in camp at as a post-camper, my parents didn't think I was ready in 1967 to go to camp. They thought they'd want to try out overnight camp, so they sent me to a camp called Hastings, which mm. they didn't realize was a YMCA camp. And um, <laughs> I, I went for two weeks because they, they liked a two-week program, and I uh, came back with a beautiful portrait of Jesus Christ, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it you know, liked the whole experience, and they said, all right, it's time for Ojibwa. <laughs> so they had Mickey and Al come to our house and, uh, and um, do the whole camp call experience. And I, I, my memory is all my dad would talk about during post-camp, um, and he would actually map it out, was that he swam around all three islands. He did the three island swim, and I was a swimmer. But it, it, it frightened me that that you would go outside of the swim area. Sure, of course. And he would he took me in a rowboat around the three island. That was his big thing. He knew that I wasn't much of a uh, a sports um, uh, activist. That I I really was not a great athlete on land, but I was great in the water. So he all he wanted was for me to swim the islands and. 
that scared me the most. I did not want to swim the island. So I, um, I, I, re I recall this distinctly. At the camp call, I, with tears coming down my eyes, I said to Mickey <laughs> and, and, and Al, I said, I, I will go to camp, but please don't make me swim the three islands. And I remember, <laughs> I, I remember um, Mickey uh, or Al saying, well, I've got good news for you. We've cut out one of the islands. It's now just a two island, <laughs> and um, and and I and so that I felt a little better, um, but the, it was going to all the way down to the third island. Was the, the one they cut out was the one that had the what we call the second island, Isle of Isle of B, and uh, I, I so I'm off on a tangent here, but I, I I recall my entire first seven weeks at camp until or six weeks whenever they did the the island swim. It was mm -hmm. an event. It was sometime during, in the second part of camp, maybe the fifth week, um, I was fretting the, the, the experience. And um, I, I, I do recall swimming around the third island and being so elated um, and writing the letter at home. And I still have the letter wow. saying I did the two island. Um, <laughs> so it, that, that, that just, it was a, it was a concern of mine. And then it turned out to be something that I conquered. It was, it was, it was a great, great feeling. That's amazing. So that was my, my, my camp call was starting in tears, um, but ended <laughs> jubilant. Well, it's interesting though, that while you're, so for your camp call, you already had a lot of expectations about camp, not just the islands, but you had a pretty good grasp of what the sports were going to be like, of what the grounds looked like. I, I, I thought I did, um, but I, I, I wasn't completely prepared. I mean, post-camp, a, a young kid at post-camp, I remember it, 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 discovering things. I thought, really, truly, I thought I discovered the Camp Campfire site. I, I thought <laughs> that this was, you know, like I was Christopher Columbus, and I found this totem pole and as I was walking through the woods. And I, I remember running back to my parents as a really young kid saying, you got to see what I found. And um, it, was, it was more about exploring the grounds and, 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 and the whole Northwoods kind of experience. At least that's how, that, that's the post-camp that I knew. And post-camp also always has been more about the water than about the land, which I loved because I, I, I'm a water person and more about the, 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 the lakes and, and, and the water activities. Um, the, the, there aren't very many organized sports um, and athletic you know, land sports during post camp. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about it. You know, I'd see all the plaques and different teams, and it, it, it didn't gel. And you know, keep in mind, I was at post camp for eight years um, or seven years before I started as a camper. So when I, it was a, it, it was a culture shock when mm -hmm. I started in 1968 as a camper, um, and I vividly remember my first week of camp. Um, and it was it, it and it was it was a great concern because camp had it really for me it was associated with my family it was a family vacation it was a family trip and um, all of a sudden I'm there by myself mm. and I, I I was terribly homesick um, I however was fortunate enough to be um, in a cabin with Steve Katz as the counselor. Um, and he quickly um, assimilated us to, to camp. And Steve Katz um, stayed as our counselor, my group, for, um, for five out of the ten years oh, that, wow. that we were campers. How that was allowed, I, I don't know, but he continued with us. Um, and, and 
he got the nickname Crazy Cats, and from the very beginning, we were climbing trees with him. Uh, <laughs> I did not climb the pole, but I stood at the base when he climbed the antenna uh, tower. Um, uh, and some activities occurred during post-camp. That's excellent. So how did you come to camp? In 1968, it was a bus. Um, although it was interesting... I took a bus from, I lived in the city, so I took a bus from the Adler Planetarium. Um, and our bus was always like the orphan bus. I only did that for two years, and then I caught on, and I made my parents drive me up to Ravinia, um, where mm. all my friends got on in, in, in Highland Park. I learned real quickly that <laughs> I didn't want to be the orphan bus. Our bus had a stop for people in Kenosha and um, in Waukegan. I think one year I got on at Old Orchard, but I... I it, um, I remember because I was a city, and this is also interesting. My parents believed in, in overnight camp. Um, the, both of them went to overnight camp. They were strong believers. I, I lived in the city of Chicago, went to Chicago Public Schools. The Chicago Public School did not let out until after camp started. My parents were such strong believers, they pulled me out of school for the last week of school so wow. that I could start camp on time. I was one of, at that time, it dwindled down, but just a handful of, of, of boys that um, lived in the city. Mm. Most were suburban. Um, at that time, you had Lincolnwood and Skokie, um, in addition to Highland Park mm-hmm. uh, and Glencoe. But, uh, so I was a, a rather a small minority of, of, of campers, and I really knew very few people. I knew, the, I knew the camp, but I knew very few people when I went up to camp. I met all of my friends, um, all my camp friends, for the first time at camp, most of whom were already in groups because they knew each other from, oh, sure. from grammar school. But as, a, you know, as, as, as the guy from the city, I, I, but I did feel I had something up on them because I got there and I was kind of showing them the, the grounds. I mm. showed them the campfire site that I discovered <laughs> um, and, 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 and other traits. But I was nevertheless very homesick. Um, that, that, and I remember um, having dinner the first night and um, going to Pearl and saying, I, I really, I need to go home. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, this isn't the same as post-camp. Um, <laughs> And I remember, and there were several letters that I sent, um, some of which I learned later were intercepted by Pearl and never made it to my parents. Oh, wow. Um, because they were so dramatic in, in terms of, or emphatic in terms of, um, but one that did get through um, caught, caused enough concern in my mom to call the camp. And, and uh, I, I later learned, I learned this you know, much later. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither Pearl nor my mom told me at the time, but uh, my mom told me that she had to call the camp to make sure that um, things were okay. So it was a, it was a difficult transition. Um, I, I remember sitting um, with other, another homesick camper um, who I became very close with, Larry Lubin, um, he very different story. He was like the star athlete, so he fit in immediately. But mm. the two of us were first-time campers at the same, you know, at the same time. Both very homesick, and and my good friend to this day, Doug Meyer, who was even then thirty years older than all of us, cautioning us um, <laughs> yeah, and, and and giving us uh, advice. But it was Steve Katz who who really brought us all through and um, became just an incredible. 
ironic to say mentor um, mm. to to us and 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 counseled us is to 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 really really enjoy camp. That's one thing I like to ask everyone is about those sort of special counselor relationships, the the early counselors that really have a big effect on you. And it would it, it, Steve. It, it would be Steve. Yeah, it would be. Uh, you know, I, he. Um, well, first it was interesting to learn that he was from New Orleans, and I have um, my mom's family is all from New Orleans, and it turned out he lived on the same street as oh, my my wow. first cousins and uh, my grandmother. Uh, so that that was a coincidence from day one, and we had a special bond from that. And then later, just uh, the adventures that that he would take us on, the the ways that he would, uh, in 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 a um, uh, still you know, push the envelope enough to defy authority, Denny, um, <laughs> and and to irk them, but in a playful way, uh, you know, a raid on the mess hall and uh, having. I remember having um, Otto's chocolate uh, pudding cake um, oh. uh, behind the mess hall that that Steve had somehow arranged with Otto, the 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 bakery chef mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and uh, special things like that. It may or may not have been condoned by head staff. Um, we all thought it was not, which sure, made it course. more fun. <laughs> and 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 you know. I, I grew up never defying authority, and it was just an eye-opening experience for me. So sure. it was it, that that was pretty great. Um, the hijinks and shenanigans that, that that Steve allowed in the cabin were just fantastic. <laughs> and even watching him get in trouble was was kind of fun sure, too. Sure, of course. <laughs> uh, and what was your first cabin? Cabin five. Cabin five. So you said that uh, you have pretty vivid memories of that first week. So outside of Steve and, and being homesick and sort of dealing with that, are there any other things that really stick out about that first week? Well, unfortunately, the weather, I remember the first several days, the weather was terrible. Mm. So we, it, it's it's the classic Camp Granada song. Um, and and, and the, the, the weather was awful. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, it stopped raining. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the rest of the camp was fantastic. But it was, it, the weather was terrible. We spent a lot of time in the arts and craft shop. Mm. Um, and it was just, it was a downer. Um, but, uh, and so that added to the homesickness and everything. The, the song is, is, is my life um, <laughs> uh, and, and my experience at camp. And, you know, later to learn that it was actually written by somebody who went, went to camp um, made it all the more impactful. So now it, it's become a camp classic song. It wasn't even at the time, but it, it was my, <laughs> it, it described my, my first week at camp. And uh, <laughs> then the weather did change and uh, we started um, playing sports. It was also good to be, uh, I was not a very good athlete. And th- that that's an interesting aspect of my whole um, love for camp and, and review of camp. I'm, I'm highly competitive, however. Mm. Um, and so I loved competitive sports. I, was, I just sucked at it. I was fortunate because my first year was in cabin five. And at the time, the, um, the leagues were set that cabins one through five were one league. So I was among the oldest in the league and, and just had, even though I wasn't a very good athlete, I still was a little taller <laughs> and a little stronger. <laughs> yeah, I had age on my side. So that that was good. When I then moved into cabin seven, the world turned. Um, but I, it, so, so I was able to compete a, in, a, in an okay way. Um, it, 
the the athletic part of campus is interesting in this and the sports part you know Ojuba as a sports camp is very interesting because people that knew me and, and, and keep in mind I was the only one that went to camp and when people learned that I the, the camp that I went to was Ojibwa people were stunned they, you know Steve Elrod and a sports camp were, just didn't <laughs> go together it was an oxymoron and um, I it is odd it, as, as I look back you know why I had this strong love of camp my dad was a major athlete um, he won practically every league in two collegiate weeks while he was there. My son was a major athlete, uh, you know, first pick in everything while he was there. I was not. I was none of the above. Um, yet uh, I love camp as much, if not more, than, than both of them. And I, I often think why. You know, wh- why, you know, what is it about Ojibwa um, that turned me on, that turned me on enough to invest in a house down the road uh, to continue it as a strong part of my life to continue talking with the with, with the director regularly and and you know investing myself in camp to this day when it should have been you know I, I there were some very tough experiences that I have sure I, I can give you some of the downsides and um, some very traumatic ones uh, and I, I, I often question myself what is it and I, I I come back to it is the structure of Ojibwa. It is it is what it what it is about as opposed to the actual day to day activities. For you know I, I I will not be able to tell you a story of of a choose up game on on the warrior courts um, mm-hmm. or playing under the lights or you know th- those aren't my camp stories. My camp stories is the involves the I loved the structure. I love that there was um, a, a, a league that were, were there were stats that, that we took. I love that there were picks, even though I was always the last pick, and I, it was at a time where they went down to the last pick, mm. and you knew it. Um, I, it. It didn't bother me. I just that was a, that was a structure, that was a system that I was part of, and I like being part of a system. And and there was an overall feel of, of Ojibwa that, that, that I liked. I also liked, um, there, there's something about the um, camp facility that I love. I, mm. I, I love the location. I love the lake. I love the feel of the land. I love the North Woods. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's a complete antithesis to everything else that I do. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not a woodsy person. I'm not an outdoorsy, but it, it, it's, it's my introduction to that and it always has been so um that there's there's that part of it so um i knew from going taking my family um since my kids were very little to post camp uh that i loved the um the recreation aspect of the north woods i I loved the lake and i i felt that i wanted to go beyond camp and and feel the get the true Northwoods feel, so we we rented a house um, for a couple of weeks at, at one. And you know, as an investor, I was able to stay at camp for a week in the in the investors' cabin. I loved that. Then we rented out. We kept graduating. Finally, I decided I wanted to buy a house, and I knew that if I were to buy a house, I wanted it on Catfish Lake. Sure. So we looked at houses on Catfish Lake, and um, our broker to- took us, real estate broker took us to the house that we, we ultimately bought. And we went um, 
uh, one one afternoon, and um, we're touring the property, and all of a sudden we hear a bugle call, and I <laughs> and I said, "Oh my God, what's that?" And the broker, who was very concerned um, that that may be a deterrent, said, "Oh well, it, it's it, you don't think anything of it. It's just a voice camp. They're only here for a short period." I said, "Wait a minute." You can hear Ojibwa. She goes, yeah, that's the camp, but don't worry about it. I said, no, no, no. That's a, that's a complete turn on. I'll, where can I sign? I'll buy the house. That's and amazing. I love that. I hear all the bugle calls. And, and it's actually sad when I'm there and camp's not in session that it's so quiet. So I, it, that, that's a love for me. That's wonderful. Um, but Chris, I, 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 you know, I, at, at the risk of, of giving a little bit of a downer, but I think it's important, you know, I, I went to camp, I, I want to talk about the, the things that, 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 that make me question why I like this, because there were some down, if that's okay. I think that that's true of, of many people's experience at camp, that, that it wasn't 100% rosy, and some right. better and some worse, but I think that the thing you're talking about is super important to this. This memory would cause somebody to, to really question, you know, what, why you would even want to be there. A very close friend of mine is very active in Kawaga, an, another camp. And he always questions, he's, he has, whenever I would tell him some of these stories, oh, that would never happen at Kawaga. Well, I think that some of these stories would never happen at Ojibwa in this day and age. But um, one, one story I remember, uh, so my second year of camp, uh, 1969, um, even though I did win Collegiate Week that year, I, I was still <laughs> a, a terrible athlete. I was now in, in the next league group, then Pineapple League, um, and I was at the lowest end of uh, the age group. And even kids in my own age group were stellar athletes. I happened to be in a cabin with Larry Lubin and Marty Block and others that were you know out, off the charts. And, and truly, these became college uh, stars, sure. um, and those were the kids that were my age, <laughs> they're, they're, and they were much older. So I was truly a horrible athlete. Um, and that summer, um, the, Al Schwartz used to allow fathers to visit the camp and stay in what is now Cabin 14. It was then the Dad's Lodge. Um, and my dad came up. It was before he was injured, um, and he came. It, it actually was a couple months before he was injured. He was injured in October of '69, so he was he was up, um, I, I think, by himself to to just observe. And he came to a pineapple league game of mine on Diamond Two, and I was the substitute catcher and struck out every time and I and was I just got more, more humiliated and more and it was very hot out um, and uh, sat there watching him and then he insisted um, that we practice afterwards and everyone went to G swim uh, to the general swimming period and um, he made me stay behind and practice he bought into the to the old old time camp and he didn't want me to be and a lot of my friends stayed around and everyone was there trying to as I was trying to swing a bat um, uh, and hit the ball try, trying to help me out but um, it was just it, it was it was a just a, a genuinely bad feeling um, followed by and and that came and went so I was embarrassed uh, the next week um, there was a, a baseball game on Diamond Three, 
Um, and there was a counselor who was um, my my coach, and I I screwed up some somehow some way. I ran when I shouldn't have ran, or sure. I, I think of um, there was a pop out, and uh, I I decided to run. So um, he got so upset with me. He took the it was the sixteen inch ball and and threw it at me. Wow. Um, and in front of everybody, very embarrassing. Um, and what was um, interesting, it was my birthday. Oh. I, I have my, you know, I was fortunate or unfortunate enough to have my birthday at camp every summer. Um, and I remember you have to stand up and sing. This was the, actually it turned into a good story. Uh, and I, I stood up um, and had the whole camp sing to me. And I saw that guy. Who had, who had just whipped a 16-inch ball at me. I saw him sitting at his table with, with his head down. Wow. And I actually felt great. But so those stories um, would, would, I think, make somebody say, you know, this camp is obviously not for me. Mm-hmm. It, that's on top of, you know, being the last pick um, and uh, having everybody know it. Uh, and somehow, some way, I... I, I kept wanting to come back. It was never a question. There mm-hmm. was never an issue that I wanted to come back and, and, and I think, try to improve, to, you know, try to, try to do better, but also never let it get me down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it, it got to a point where, you know, there's the bases, I'm playing catcher, the bases are loaded, and I would stop and I would say, wait a minute, bases are loaded there's going to be a play at home somebody needs to substitute for me you know to joke around to say hey you know I recognize it let's 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 call it like it is um or if we're in a volleyball game and I have the center position say wait wait somebody needs to rotate you know I can't be in the center I and and I I guess people respected it or at least I acknowledged it and I was able to move on it turns out that despite my lack of athletic ability, I was one of the more popular kids at camp, mm-hmm. no doubt. I, to the point that one year, I was the, the camp had a, a, an all-star team where people voted. I don't know if they still do that, but there was a ballot box and you had a vote to put people. I got put on the all-star team just because it, it was a popularity contest. You know, despite all that, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to say I gamed it, but I just, yeah, I, I would never let it defeat me. And, and I, I kept coming back at it and, and appreciated it. And, and I do believe, I do believe that um, the, what I learned at camp, the, sometimes the hard way, sometimes the easy way, um, made me um, the, uh, the, the successful business person that I am today. I think that it, it, it helped me um, navigate through a, a very competitive world. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, college, law school, um, you know, in the law, for, law firm world, it, 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 those skills were, were skills that I learned at camp. Mm. And and I uh, you know greatly appreciative of it. Excellent. Uh, I want to step back for a second. You mentioned uh, talking to Pearl your first day actually about being homesick. Tell me a little bit about 
your relationship with Al and Pearl, if you were able to, were oh, campers able to yeah. have a good sort of personal relationship well, then? Well, see, I had the benefit of knowing Al and Pearl at post camp, which is the fortune that little kids have of knowing Denny at post camp. Because the Denny at, and my kids had that, um, you know, Denny at post camp is, and you've seen this, is, is just unbelievable. Absolutely. It, you know, you, you, uh, you fall in love with him, you adore him, you revere him. And, he, he, and that was Al at post camp hmm. um, and, and, and Pearl. They, they, when we were there, they, they ran it. Later, in later years, Mickey um, and Riva sort of taking over, uh, took over. I, uh, but Al, you know, really uh, grew to love uh, and respect him. So in 1960, um, he was perhaps getting um, up there in years, but still, I, I still believe I, I knew him at, at part of when he was still pretty active. Mm-hmm. Um, my first year of camp, 1968, he was less active, Mickey and Denny. Well, actually, my, all my years at camp, Denny ran, ran the camp um, as the program director, but he clearly, and Al was just sort of there. He led us in cheers in the mess hall. Um, you wouldn't go to Al with, you wouldn't, I, I didn't even know that Al knew what league or activity was going on. Pearl, sure. Pearl did. Mm-hmm. Um, Pearl was very, you know, she would walk by and if you're, you were serving wrong at the volleyball court, she would correct you. And mm-hmm. you were, I remember once I, um, I was doing the backstroke and she would be yelling at the side, um, about that I should do it the wrong, you know, different way. Um, she would check your hands for, you know, when you came into the mess hall and wouldn't give you a treat or canteen candy bars were set up as you were leaving the mess hall. She would guard those very carefully, um, like a hawk. And um, <laughs> once I had a bet with somebody and I owed them a candy bar and I gave it to them um, as I was leaving the mess hall and she came flying out after me saying, Stephen Elrod, I am ashamed of you and you should, you know, because I was giving somebody a candy bar because I'd lost a bet. Oh. Not only are you gambling, but you're, you're giving away your, your canteen. You're, you're, you've, I've known you all these years. You have disappointed me. Wow. I was, it was humiliating. And, <laughs> and in a voice that you could hear at the far field, I mean, it, it, yelling, the whole camp turned around. That happened once with Denny, which I'll tell you about with, when he learned that. Uh, the, I'll actually jump to that story. Uh, it's very almost the same location on the campus diamond. Um, at the end of visiting weekend, Denny had learned that um, my wife, that Donna and I had bought, brought in pizza for our my son's cabin, cabin one. Um, and, and some other neighbor of ours ratted on us. Because <laughs> uh, their cabin didn't, and so I just knew how to do it. And um, so there we are, the final day of visiting weekend that Sunday morning, and I could tell just the way Denny was walking that he found out, and he was he was just Stephen Elrod, and he's walking toward me in the same way that Pearl Schwartz would. Have but this time, I said to Dot, I said, "Here, you stand here," <laughs> and, and I put her in front of me. 
and he oh shit he still yelled but i don't think as much as he would have otherwise he still got very upset well from to antigo she my my wife was yelling at me for for putting her in that position um was same spot on the campus where uh, I, I get my, I got in trouble. Well, it's it's part of life. Uh, if you, if, you know, you had nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, so Al um, we, was was always a larger than life um, person. He was he was not the day to day operator. Um, Denny was much more so. Pearl was much more so. Um, and, uh, but Al was just this lovable guy that, um, you know, would, would, would be there. Um, every once in a while, if, if you felt you were being treated unfairly, you would say, well, I'm going to go to Al and, and for, for mediation. Mm. And I do recall those experiences early in my, in my early years, you'd go to Al and he'd sit you down and, uh, and, and, and resolve things. Um. And at, but again, at post camp, Al was just all over all the kids. Mm. Um, I don't remember. Snipe hunts clearly were Denny. Um, I, I don't remember what what Monty exactly Feldman. Al did, but what? With Monty Feldman. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and but the, the, I don't remember what what activities Al did with us at post camp, but he definitely did enough. And then I distinctly remember Al's cheers and 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 games after dinner, and um, mm. something that um, my favorite favorite memory of camp is sitting in the mess hall. Um, and singing the songs, or, or Al doing a cheer, where he, he um, some or a speech about birch bark being pulled up the tree, or the, the clink 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 and the clang clank. I don't know if you've heard that, but he, mm. he would have half of the mess all clapping and the other half clapping. You and, and then he'd stop. Um, it, it would be and, and to the, to an uproarious roar. Um, he'd have everybody just completely after feet, and then it, we'd have to be completely quiet. It, he would he had us by a string, and it was it was fantastic. Mm. Um, it, it was a wonderful bonding experience. He would hate that they used to have um, metal uh, cup holders. You may have re- recalled those with the those, cone cups, right? With the cone cups, mm-hmm. and you push it in, and you get your cup. Um, and he would hate when during dinner people would play with them, roller derby time, uh, you know. <laughs> but during this particular time, he would have us take the metal things and claim them on the. the well, he'd start by saying, I, "I'm having such trouble at dinner because I hear this clang, 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 and a clink, 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 and then people would clang, 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 and the mess hall, it, the roof would come off. It would be wild, and I loved, loved those times. That's fantastic. And then, um, w- w- you know, Paul James or Lou Mager um, would would play the piano at um, after dinner, and there'd be songs, primarily uh, collegiate week team songs. Mm. And so, whatever team you were on the year before, you'd go wild when your team song would be played. It's it's a. Uh, I plan on talking to the director about trying to reinstate that. It's on my list. 
<laughs> of, of, of things. It's a wonderful part of camp that I'm, I, 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 I wish uh, continued to this day. Sure. And it seems like, I mean, in those days, every meal was weighted, right? So it, it I know it was more conducive more to, to it. Yeah. But if it was just din- at dinner time, that would be fine. Sure. Um, but we can talk. Absolutely. It's, feel it's, feel it's, free to politic here. It's no, perfect, I, <laughs> perfectly acceptable. I'll do that. <laughs> All uh, suggestions. Over a cigar in the point. But, um, uh, so in, so li- in line with that, uh, talking about the parts of camp that weren't the sports, that weren't the, the obvious parts of camp, um, what was a camp day like in terms of like after tabs or when you had downtime? Well, um, it, it, it was, you know, it was before electronics, so it was comic books, it was um, you know, d- d- discussions, you know, uh, talking about girls, talking about, um, you know, d- d- even though I wasn't good at sports, I enjoyed sports, talking about, you know, what the Cubs were doing, what the Sox were doing. And, sure. Um, we had, um, I, 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 I recall good discussions. And I think that that does continue. I mean, I've observed that stories at nighttime loved nighttime stories, mm. um, and particularly scary, you know, the Zeke stories, which, which I would continue. Um, you know, when my son was a, well, you know, when my son was a camper, I would come in and tell, um, tell the, the late night stories and, um, <laughs> particularly the scary stories. Sometimes they're not condoned because it may not be politically correct these, these days, but sure. the, it was, some got really, you know, petrifying and, um, and terrifying, but I, I loved those, loved those. So I loved late night in that. And then, you know, loved late nights with Steve Katz because we always were defying something. Um, <laughs> that's, that's I remember that. Um, I, I, um, I also enjoyed the order. Um, I loved, you know, the cabin five all in, all in Al. I, uh, oh, Al did go I, throughout all my years at camp. Mm. Um, even as a counselor, he, he went um, and did the cabins, did the, what's it called? The rounds, did the rounds, um, and uh, loved that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was very special, uh, and, and, it, it, and it, to this day has special meanings. I love the bugle calls. Uh, I'm not uh, very militaristic, but I, I, I enjoyed that. And in those days, we were, um, it was very regimented when, when you, we lined up, We'd have to um, get at attention, campers' attention, and we, we'd have to be arms arms distance. So there was arms forward place, and we have made sure we were arms sideward you know, and, and straight lined. Mm. Um, and then we were able to be at Eddie at ease. Um, I, oddly enough, I even enjoyed that. Mm. Um, I, I, and I look now at lineups and, you know, people are straggling, shirts are off and they're, <laughs> you know, they're hanging all over the place. And, and so I dipped every morning. Mm. And so I carry, although I don't do it nude, I, it, we did then. Um, I, I made, it was my thing. I don't know where I started it. No matter what I dipped, I never, ever showered. And um, <laughs> it was just my thing. And so to this day in my house, rain or shine, I take a dip every morning. Most, most times I do it as Reveille is blowing, which is That's I'm amazing. saying, I, how, what did I do to, to be this lucky? <laughs> I, I am, this is heaven on earth. We um, pl- 
planned our house so that in many respects so that there can be resemblances of camp. Um, first of all, we're situated so that we see have the same sunset um, that camp has and it's it's magnificent. And um, we've, we, we, we have our little, little signs that designate the far field and waterfront and um, as much as we can to, to, to embody the camp experience, but then still have some of the luxuries of an air-conditioned home. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we, we try very hard. Because one thing I was good at was box hockey. And so that was my one activity, that and ping pong. So I have a ping pong table and a box hockey court. <laughs> there is, you will not find a basketball court in my house. Yes. I have a, a camp modeled after a camp campfire site. And and I love those. I loved I loved cookout nights mm. at camp. I loved um, I loved the campfires. One thing I we didn't have that that they have now are uh, the Sunday morning. I think they're called town meetings. Mm-hmm. Town, yeah, I've been to a couple, um, and uh, those are very special. Um, I, I I don't recall ever having something like that at, at our camp, and it was you know, it's the whole camp together. Um, bonding and talking to, is one one unit. I love that. And I actually have one. When Daniel was a first-year camper um, and I visited, I videotaped an entire um, oh, yeah. s- entire town meeting. Oh, we'd love to get a hold of that yeah, for sure it's, for it's, this it's, project. It's, it's real good stuff. That's wonderful. Um, and, and Denny in his shorts talking about being a com- it was about to start collegiate week and he goes you're about to turn into chameleons and I don't know, some chameleon <laughs> speech uh, it's 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 very good um and uh, the other thing i, I liked I've, I've gone to a couple you know now that i'm i live down the street as you know chris i i come over when i want absolutely sometimes i just stroll by and but if i'm going to partake participate in an activity like uh, warrior night um, I, of course, I would call, and 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 Denny has invited me to to some, and and Warrior Night is turned out to be a much more special night now than it used to be. Mm. Now people would tell stories, and older campers would tell why they want to come back. I love that. Mm. There, so this intangible part of camp, the 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 camaraderie between. Um, Older campers and younger campers—something that that always inspired me, and that I, you know, always liked because I always had, had befriended um, guys older than me and younger than me, and took them under my wings as people would to me. Um, perhaps feeling sorry for me because sure. I, I was always the the, uh, the 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 bad athlete. Um, I, I love watching that, and I love seeing that. I love watching my son take a young camper under his wings, and I loved when he. Um, would, you know, there would be, even outside of camp, um, my son was involved in small fry, a basketball league, um, and he, he was in the youngest group, and he went, there was a, a time where they got to be with the older boys. All the Ojibwe boys saved a seat for him. Wow. And it, it just, it's something that, you know, a, a really nice thing that occurs. So that, it's, that, that there is a bond that, that, that gets created um, whether it, it, it happens on the basketball court for some or just sitting around the cabin for others, um, a bond definitely gets created by being at this place. Mm. And, and, it, and it lasts. I mean, I, I have a group of friends, you know, since 1968. We all started together, and we continue. They all now come to my house, and um, we have our own reunion. <laughs> I was going to ask you, who are some of your guys, some of those guys from that? From 68 that you so, talked about there, so your friends. Yeah, Doug Meyer, Joel Shader, 
Arnie Rubens, Mark Knockbar. Um, that's a, and then we, we still maintain a relationship with our counselors, with, with mm. Steve Katz, uh, with Elliot, although Elliot was never our counselor. Um, the year that we were in cabin 13, Elliot had decided to retire it was short-lived. I see. Uh, <laughs> but he was, we had instead Jim Nachman um, uh, and um, I think Paul James uh, in Cabin 13 instead of Elliot. Mm. Uh, we've talked, you have mentioned several times talking about your son. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, talking about the camp call experience for yourself, Moving forward now to Daniel getting a camp call. Did you have an official camp call? Was it? Oh yeah. So yeah, well, I, what was I that process on it. for you to see him sort of in that process? Well, so he he had a similar experience with me. He uh, was at camp as as a post camp since under Denny's regime, uh, babies were allowed to come to post camp, and so we had a crib when um, our son was less was an infant. Wow. Um, so he he. He had been at camp literally since he was born, um, and uh, he got to know it very well. He, um, we, we, my daughter went to Miramita. She's older, and so my son and I would come up to camp, and Denny would actually allow us. Um, it, it actually was controversial. Uh, we, we came up a week before visiting weekend, and we were staying, we had reservations at the Chanticleer and we're staying there and we wanted badly to stay at camp. Um, Denny, and the, all the guys that Daniel knew, these older boys wanted him to stay with him. Called up Bob Kaufman, had made us sign a release form um, for Daniel to stay for a couple of days, but he did. Um, and and it tried, I thought it was over, overkill even as a lawyer. <laughs> but you did. <laughs> And I was staying on camp. I moved out of the Chanticleer. I moved into the, um, what was now Joel's cabin, but it, it was called the Investor's Cabin at the time, mm. and I was staying there. It was Mickey's cabin, and now it was Joel's cabin. And mm. um, But in, in, for some small period in between, it was called the Investor's Cabin and um, until the condos were built, I guess. Uh, and so we, I, I, I stayed there frequently, mm. loved it. I mean, I, that was... That was my the, the the predisposition to my house, having a beautiful view of the lake. Yeah, there was there are lots of fun um, post camp stories and uh, from both my youth and because um, that, that that is my my life. You know, I I experienced it as a, as a young kid and as a father at, at post camp. And one year, my dad came up. Uh, dad, um, strong love for Ojibwe, and interestingly, so we, he would take us. Every year we'd have to go look at his pictures. There, you know, those pictures that are behind in the in the office. Mm -hmm. um, you can there's he's in several of those. Um, so one year we're looking at a picture of him um, with Donna and, the, and my dad sitting at a, on the lower level, and Donna goes, "Oh my dad, stand! Oh my God, standing right above my dad is her father." Oh wow! Her father wow. went to camp. Um, they did not know each other. He's much older than my dad, about 10 years older. Um, he was a counselor, so he's standing there as a counselor, and my dad's <laughs> sitting there as a little camper, but they are literally, and, and I'll show you this, Chris. That's the, wonderful. The summer, standing right above each other. And, and we just saw, you know, I'm looking for my dad, and she sees her dad um, <laughs> right, right above him. It's, it's a wonderful story. Uh, he, uh, his, his name is Jerry Rosenstone. 
um, was also a, not a very good athlete and, and, and loved camp. Um, but interestingly, he, he, he's not a, um, he, he was not an avid marksman or, or into guns of any kind, but he, he headed up the riflery program. Oh. We always laughed at that because <laughs> it, it, it just so uh, um, incongruous to, to what he was. But he headed up the rifle. There used to be a riflery range um, where the warrior courts are. And um, I recall, actually, I I abhor guns and helped with the legislation banning guns in Highland Park. I mean, it's what I do, and I'm litigating it now in the federal court. But I was actually very good at riflery. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically. Ironically. And it was a a collegiate week team sport. Um, Maybe it was an early evening activity. I don't recall. Or maybe it was a junior varsity. That's what it was. It was a junior varsity. How do I remember this? When the older kids played basketball, I think that the younger or tennis, the younger kids did riflery, the JV, and so I I was always the top. Um, So you know, then there was one time that you know they would have to reserve me when there would be somebody who would have to go twice. Oh, let Elrod do it. Never had that glory. Box hockey, (laughs) box (laughs) hockey and riflery. Yeah, Um, but and I yeah right. That was the only time I and stunt night and song night, but uh, those those were my. <laughs> and that clearly ran in the genes with Daniel as well for stunt night and song night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we wrap up, uh, one thing I ask everyone sort of at the end is just to um, kind of parse one story, just one great camp story that you just always have in the chamber. But specifically, I want to ask you for two things. One, uh, that I want you to just tell me one great camp story that you just have ready to go that you still laugh about, and also one because you have the unique experience here of your, of watching your son go to camp and being active and part of camp while he was there of one great memory you have of him at camp that really, you know, just made your heart explode because you're watching your son be a part of something you love so much. Well, my one great memory is, is the night we won collegiate week. I, uh, you know, here's the non-athlete, the probably the worst athlete on the team, um, but it was Ohio State, 1969. Um, the best plaque in the mess hall. If you look, it's the trees that oh, are sure the trees. Yes, and so Rick Matazar and David Matazar. You probably don't recall, but my name is somewhere on that plaque. <laughs> <laughs> you got Futransky on that team. Alan too, right? Futransky mm-hmm. was on that team. Um, and you'll look again, you'll see my name on that team. So we're, we're sitting at the tables in the mess hall. Um, the collegiate week was announced by piano player, uh, similar to, I think what they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it just seemed more dramatic. Um, we're sitting with our teams at our dinner table. We ate dinner with, with your collegiate week teams. It was a very close year and, um, we, we, the, the the race for first, second, third, and fourth um, was very tight. Oh, Duke Gutterman was our coach, and Rick mm-hmm. Matazar was the assistant coach, and Dave Matazar was the first pick. Um, God, how I remember that. And, so I, I, and I remember exactly where I was sitting, and um, Lou Mager was playing the piano and uh, would do the teasing, as I think is done now, with you start playing the, the various songs. And it was down to, um, you got all the way up to fourth place, and then they went to first. So they were now playing for first. And I, I can still feel it when they started playing our song, 
uh, you know, fight the team across the field, and and jumping on the table, and just going crazy, um, and somehow we were all allowed to call home on that payphone that was in the laundry room, um, and I remember everyone lining up, and and telling my mom um, and dad that, that, that I won Collegiate Week. And I, it was just an incredible feeling. So I, um, and I remember also that later, I think what happened is after Collegiate Week was announced, it was Lazy Day the next day. And so that night, we just stayed up all mm. night. I remember that so well. And, and you got to sleep late the next day, and it was, it, it was, it was euphoria. Um, so it was just a great, great feeling. <laughs> um, so that would be my, there are probably more, Chris, of but that's course, something sure. that, that jumped to mind. With my son, oh, and I, I will cry as I tell it, but it was his first jubilee, and him up there singing, Here's to Camp Ojibwa. Um, it was, the Jubilee was in the rec hall, and I have this on video too, um, and and just watching him sing, and he started, I'm not gonna cry now, I, tears started coming down my eyes and coming down his eyes. Um, it was great. That's wonderful. That was cool. I will tell you uh, just a little personal side about Daniel. Um, as a non-camper coming in to be a staff man, <clears throat> I loved camp. Pretty much right away, and I, you know, uh, but there's a difference in loving camp and being a part of camp, and then the sort of overall acceptance, especially for an outsider coming in to get accepted by the Ojibwa guys. I mean, it's just you know, it's a tight knit family, and it's not that people don't love you; it's not that you're not part of it. But there's a different level once you become sort of accepted and a part of it. And uh, my first two years, I was not in cabin 14, the oldest cabin, but I uh, worked on the play with them, with the Merrimack play. So I was always close with those guys early on. But the first year I moved into 14 was Daniel's year. And that group of guys really cemented sort of me feeling accepted. As, they loved you. Yeah. And I, and yeah. those guys were really special to me. And that just that whole group, just that was where I really felt like I was an Ojibwe Oh, that's guy. good. And they're, so, th- talk about a tight-knit group. Um, da- Daniel's camp group, you know, and, and two of them now just got engaged, Jeffy Perlman and Adam Gilbert. I'm sorry, they're going to be so happy together. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, they're all very, very close yeah. uh, to, to this day. Yeah, I uh, mean, they still visit in, in packs. They still in, come up in, in groups packs. and visit. And... and my nephew, David Lakin, has the same experience um, with, with his group, mm. and he was equally as into camp. And, and that made my dad so proud that both of his grandsons really became top of their class at, at camp, both both modeled after him instead of of me but uh, (laughs) they you know everyone had their own uh, had their own experience and now my grandson max um you know there there's no question in fact my son-in-law who who adores denny uh but obviously he grew up in in scottsdale he knew Mm. nothing of ojibwa when he called to tell us it's a boy he said his first words were, better get Denny Rosen on the phone and enroll um, your new grandson. That's fantastic. In camp. Um, Do you remember our conversation about Daniel when you bought the house? So, yeah, I was very concerned uh, that, so now Daniel, I, we bought the house, it was Daniel's first year as a junior counselor. Um, and I, you know, I said, oh my God, I've got this very attractive nuisance right down the road. And he could, 
it could be tough. And Denny and I talked about whether I should um, give him the keys. Um, and yeah. uh, we decided at the end of the day, yes, give him the keys. And Daniel's reaction was, I don't want them. <laughs> I, I, I don't want. I don't want that pressure. I don't want that responsibility. I, I you know, I, I want to be able to say to you know Todd Goldner and Matt Bava and and, and everybody else that was going to be pressuring him, which they did. Sure, that I, I I do not have access. <laughs> but I, it, we, we both concluded to to offer him was the thing to do, and his response was, I don't want it. I don't want the responsibility. <laughs> That's wonderful. It worked out. It worked out great. Yeah, the way that he, the way that he decided to handle it allowed him to make decisions yeah. rather than telling him he's not capable. Right. Exactly. And and it 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 did work out. Um, and it worked out the same thing with David. Um, you know, it did the same thing with him. I mean, we're there a lot, but you know, there's times when we're not, and sure. they all were very respectful uh, of it. And I allowed you know they tell I told them on your days off if you want to go sit on the dock, or if you want the keys, he says, no, don't give me the keys. I don't want everyone asking me. That's fair. That's a, that's a smart move. <laughs> okay, that is it. Another classic episode in the books. Steve Elrod and I... Uh, like I said, just so amazing to hear us back then and how far we've come. So, Steve, I hope you had an amazing birthday. I know you were honored greatly here at camp by having the bench at Eagle Point memorialized in your honor. So now when you come to camp, you can sit at the Steve Elrod bench at the point. Uh, and I hope your birthday was amazing, my friend. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email. Christopher at Camp Ojibwe History Podcast. Oh my God, it's been so long, I forgot what the thing was. Christopher at CampbellJibbohistory.org, or of course, just swing by the website. The hiatus continues, but we will be back in early September with brand new episodes of the podcast. Lots of new guests you haven't even thought of yet. I've got some new content for the website. Uh, I'll give you some updates on the museum, because I've been working hard all summer long, putting things in the museum and getting it ready. But for now, it's time to head to the point myself. Grab a cigar. Thank you.